Hey, what's up entrepreneurs, small business owners, and side hustlers everywhere. Have you ever wondered what fuels so many successful entrepreneurs? Well, I can tell you from personal experience and having served thousands of entrepreneurs that funding is at the top of the list. No, I'm not talking about venture capital, which funds less than 2% of business. I'm actually talking about a business funding marketplace with options that have served thousands of clients for hundreds of millions of dollars with rates as low as 0% interest up to 18 months. Go to sevenfiguresfunding.com. That's the digit seven and then figuresfunding.com and tell my funding team you came from the podcast to receive your free gift, the business funding formula and credit college for free. Guys, no one taught us about finance and credit in college or high school and that's what we're on a mission to do, sevenfiguresfunding.com. What's going on, Seven Figures Nation? 2024 is here, and you are looking for all the tools, tactics, and strategies to build a business, take it to the next level, take your startup to where you've dreamt of taking it. And today, we're going to be bringing in a guest. We've got Jordy Pujols, who is going to be sharing a lot of value. He comes from the investment banking community. Uh, he went to one of the top schools in the country in terms of business. A little bit on his background, he's an MBA graduate from the Wharton School at the University of Penn there. Phenomenal place right there. He's also a director at Objective Investment Banking and Valuation, and he serves as an engagement leader for the firm's valuation advisory services and practice. He was responsible for expansion efforts in Los Angeles, California, where he serves local clients. Now, prior to joining Objective Investment Banking, he was a senior manager at Ernst & Young in their corporate finance practice under strategy and transactions. And in his role, he also focused on the technology healthcare service. But basically, guys, he's got 10 years of financial modeling experience. He's worked on a vast number of financial reporting engagements. He works with startups and established businesses, taking them from beginning to end. And he's very good at valuations, M&A. So if you've ever dreamt, and I know we all started our businesses to eventually have an exit, have a big payday. There's a lot that goes into getting there. So Jordy's going to unpack this for us. Jordy, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. I'm very happy to be here. And thank you so much for, for telling people about my background. I've, I've been doing valuation for a long time now. And it's one of the things that still gets me excited, gets me up in the morning. Uh, so hopefully I can share a little bit of, of that knowledge today. You know, there I think there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to evaluating a business and getting into the nuts and bolts of how you can actually look at the value of your business, different multiples, industries. But before, before we jump into that, the audience loves to find out a little bit more about your background, what makes you tick. And, and, you know, with so many different opportunities that you probably had coming out of school, what was it that led you down this path towards investment banking and specifically gearing towards valuations, which is such an important concept to understand with any entrepreneur's company? Absolutely. Yeah. As, as a kid, I was always fascinated by the contradiction between price and value and seemingly very similar either 
goods that you would buy or real estate or businesses, they, they would tend to have very similar things, right? But never the same value. <clears throat> and you could see very yeah. similar objects with the exact same price and very similar objects with a completely different price, right? So that, that dichotomy of trying to understand what is the value of a brand? Why is the Nike shoe so much more valuable than a very standard shoe? Why do we like certain hotels of certain brands? Why do we want to live in certain neighborhoods, right? Do all of these intangibles that sometimes we don't see um, immediately, those are driving price, those are driving value. And, and, and I love understanding how that works in the real world. Yeah, no, well said, and it gives us a better idea of the background. So let's let's jump right into valuations when business. You're you're a startup, you're an entrepreneur, you're building your business, you're working those 60 to 80 hour crazy work weeks, you're hiring and scaling and trying to take things to the next level. And along the way, you're hoping to build your valuation. Now, in the last two years, there's a lot of tech companies that had an idea and thought their valuation was much higher than it's now actually been. What was that? And this is exactly what you were just talking about. What was that? What's the differentiation between these artificially high values that they thought that their business had with, with, when it collided with reality? What was that? Was it just rates? Like how, how, how does this happen that people, you think your company's worth X and actually at the end of the day, it ends up being worth less? Well, as, as you know, valuation obviously comes from future cash flows, even though a lot of the time yes. we're pricing companies based on what they've yes. actually done, how investors think about a company is really on future cash flows. So I, I started my career in, in an equity research firm. And what we do is try to guess the price of public companies 12 months out. So we're trying to think, okay, what is Disney doing? What movies are they going to send out? Do they have a new thrill ride in their parks? Um, how are they thinking about the business? Are they going to purchase another company? And as we think about all of those future actions, we're thinking about value. So what happens when the economy starts getting a little bit hot? Well, we think it's going to get a little bit hotter. And if someone shoots three baskets in a row, we think they're on fire and they're going to keep shooting uh, three pointers, right? And so when that excitement gets into the general public and the general VC community and everybody else is kind of excited about the future potential of companies in the US and their markets, we, we get a little sidetracked with that excitement and, and we forget that there's there's only so many people that you can sell a Peloton bike to, right? But you saw the, the valuations. Of That's a great example there, yeah. Skyrocketing. We thought everybody was going to have a bike in, in, in their home, maybe even in two bedrooms. And that's, that's really not the case, but it's, it's hard to be the person who says, I don't want to invest in that. And then you see that company grow 30, 40% in the next 12 months. So again, a little bit of excitement getting in the way of our, for rational thinking. And at the same time, um, we were seeing very exciting increases every single year. And so the investments were making money. Now, is there an end to it? Yes. Did we see it? Uh, maybe in 22, of course. But but again, if you were standing in 2017, it was really difficult not to give companies the multiples that they were getting because they were continuously increasing the value that they were providing. They were increasing the number of customers that they had. They were reaching new markets. And so the, the multiples followed that, that trend. 
No, no question. So let's let's detail, if we could, some simple ways to look at how valuable your business might be. Now, you mentioned something super important, which is cash flow. 82% of businesses fail and, and struggle with cash flow. It's a constant issue. And so previously, where companies were just maybe focusing on top-line growth and they were venture-backed, to a certain extent, it seems like that's changed a little bit. And now it really is, well, how much cash can you generate? And if investors and IPOs and those types of things, M&As happen, you know, is there going to be a return that, that that liquidity comes back? And so if you're looking at your business as an entrepreneur right now and you're saying, well, I think my business is worth X, Y, Z because I'm in this industry. What What's kind of a simple step-by-step -step formula that you would recommend they look at? And they're like, okay, this is how you can actually attach a valuation of where you're at. And then after that, we'll jump into what can you actually do to increase that value. So this is a great time to focus on your operations. I think you said a statistic that something like 80, 90% of businesses fail within a certain time frame. And it's really interesting to see franchises because if you're franchising a business, yeah. it's the completely opposite statistic. So 80% of the businesses actually succeed. Why is that, right? Like what is the lesson that we can, we can draw from the fact that most normal businesses are failing and just because I bought a random brand and I put it out in the street that I'm going to do well, it's, it's all about procedure, SOPs, and standardization. So <clears throat> as, as you're thinking about your business, especially around this time, it's maybe not the time to continue focusing on growth. Now, never forget growth, right? Sales, do everything that you can, pay your salespeople correctly, incentivize them to sell more, and, and you'll continue to grow that top line. But try not to do it in an unsustainable way and try not to do it in a way where even potentially your CAC, so your customer acquisition costs, exceed the customer lifetime value. What was happening in software a long time ago? We were spending all kinds of money in marketing, sales, whatever it took to gain the customer, but we weren't so focused on the true profitability on a customer by customer basis. I think we saw it also with DoorDash and uh, Instacart and a lot of other companies that at some point we're actually even losing money on a per ride basis, right? So if your unit economics are not even there, it's going to be extremely difficult to run a profitable business. And even when you start to get those unit economics in the right place, it still takes a lot to think about the standard procedures for sales, the standard procedures for accounting and finance and HR and everything that a entrepreneur doesn't really think about and doesn't want to do, but that it's really there to control your workforce that is growing. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're standing today <clears throat> thinking about your business, think about that standardization. What can you do today to help your business scale without increasing costs by too much? Right. If your current salespeople are maybe not as good with your CRN systems, maybe talk to them about keeping better records. Right. As soon as one leaves, hopefully there's a second one that just can come in, look at that customer list and start calling them. If you're thinking about your HR and finance systems, try to learn what makes sense for you to do in-house and what makes sense for you to just uh, outsource Right. by finding ways to maybe even think about how to release time from your people who are key thinkers, who are visionaries, who are the people running the business, you're going to get a lot more leverage from the current structure, the current assets, the current balance of cash that you have in your bank account. So that, that's what I would say is 
maybe the key thing to be thinking about right now. Again, don't don't forget about sales. Uh, everything is uh, a top line growth um, in in terms of exits, in terms of what you're doing with your business. But but maybe start focusing a lot on how to create the procedures that will allow you to scale without increasing costs or even take down costs as well. Hey, what's up, guys? Pardon the interruption, but quick question. Have you ever wondered if you could start your own pandemic-proof, inflation-proof, and recession-proof business? Well, I'm here to tell you over the last decade that there is an industry out there. There is a profession. It's the business funding space. And that's why I created FundingCEOAcademy.com to show you how you can join our team and work together in a business and industry that's allowed me to create my dream life where I can travel, co-boating during the week with my wife and five kids, and work in a business that really matters. There's nothing more valuable than being able to get an entrepreneur money who can then create jobs and products and services that make everyone's lives better and also make you a great living in the process. So I've created a free book. It's the seven keys to building a recession-proof funding empire. You can find it at fundingceoacademy.com. Again, that's fundingceoacademy.com and download the seven keys to building a recession-proof business funding empire right now and take some action. Uh, huge value bombs. The Jordy is dropping for everybody. So if you're driving, if you're listening to this while you're working out, you might want to rewind it and take some notes here. But to unpack that, number one, you have to have uh, essentially a profit per unit business. If you are bringing in customers, clients on different offers and products, do you know your gross margins? Do you have an idea of what the net margins is after overhead? Are you? Do you know what the lifetime value of your customer is? And if you don't, those are things you've got to find out. You got to get clear on because if your cost to acquire a customer is five hundred dollars and you think your lifetime value is a thousand, in reality it's four hundred. Well, now you're losing money, and it doesn't matter how much money you raise, you have a sinking ship until you write the write that ship. And interestingly enough, you can look at certain companies where it was the case. At once upon a time for Uber, and now in the last year, Uber has really started to become a, little, a lot more profitable per unit. They've clearly had to raise a lot of prices, different things like that. But you can write the ship, and that's what you're doing as an entrepreneur is making those pivots. Jordy also talked about standard operating procedure. You have to have SOPs for your team members, for your culture, so that they know what to do and the business can grow and scale without you having to micromanage everything. Uh, at the at the end of the day, the business has to function without you being involved in it every day. And that's obviously a key aspect as well. Now, one of the things that you can still be profitable, but then you have to invest in growth. And so there's this idea, well, do I always just go get the next round of venture capital? That's a little bit more difficult today than it was two years ago. Uh, why should they be also looking maybe at debt financing? So I, I think it's a great time to consider alternative options in terms of structured equity and debt. If you are running a profitable business and you feel that it has predictable cash flows, debt is not your enemy. Debt is the way that you leverage um, your own investments in the company and that you can continue to move forward. Um, the, someone once told me, right, don't pay off your student loans if you have a 2% or 3% rate when you could potentially just take that money, invest it in the stock market and actually pay off your loans at the end of the year, right? You, you're arbitraging the difference between your cost and the return that you can make. Most private businesses, if they're being well run 
can generate returns between 15 and 30%, right? On a, on a more consistent, more sustainable basis. Uh, again, if you're taking loans at maybe 10%, 8 to 12%, somewhere in that range, it's still a good deal, right? I, I know it's scary and, and I know it's difficult to think where I'm going to leverage the business. I could potentially lose it. Um, I may not be able to hit the cash flows that, that, that I want. And then I'm, I'm risking uh, all, everything that I've worked for. Then just take on less than, right? Like if, if you think that um, maybe, I don't know, 50% of your EBITDA is going to go pay your, your loans, maybe scale, scale it back, right? We, we tend to talk a lot in, in, in the industry about liquidity ratios and, um, you know, maybe debt coverage ratios and, and other more complicated sure. things. But the simple answer is if, you're, if you can cover your, um, I guess, interest payments plus the loan payments five times over, you're probably going to be okay, right? If you can cover them maybe one time over, okay, now you're getting into very risky territory. And that's what entrepreneurs should be doing, just managing risk. Your job as a CEO is to manage risk. You're managing the company, sure, and operations, but the CEO, the true CEO, is all about vision and risk management. And so if he can focus on that, and like you said, free up time from all the other minutia things that happen, then he's doing his job and everybody else in the teams can be doing theirs. The COO can be working on operations, the CFO can be working on finance, the CMO on marketing, and they all can work together to, to achieve the outcomes that, that you want. So again, that something to do. Uh, venture capital financing, always uh, another difficult conversation, right? If you're not the type of business that can grow 10x every couple of years, venture capital might not be your best bet um, unless you're working with firms that just understand that growth equity doesn't have to mean 10x every year. That's an option, but maybe there's earnouts that can happen, right? Maybe there's equity warrants or other incentives that can be attached to performance. In that way, you're not only managing your risk, but you're helping those firms manage their own risk and they're going to be on your side. As, As long as you're aligning the incentives I think everybody can work together, even if ultimately there are certain things that, you know, one firm will um, kind of prioritize over maybe the entrepreneur running the, the business. Well, well said. You know, as we as we head into 2024, a lot of entrepreneurs are looking to grow and scale, but there are differences really related to scaling versus growing. So how can entrepreneurs build more sustainable businesses and really understand the difference between the two going into 2024? Yeah, absolutely. I think this was one of the biggest lessons uh, from my scaling and operations class during my MBA, where the professor just very clearly showed, okay, if you have a consulting business, the typical model is you hire a person, they can work on 10 projects a year, and you basically do cost plus a certain profit level, and you run a profitable business. <clears throat> that that's very normal in a lot of different businesses where every time you add, let's say, a unit of spend, you get a unit of return. Scalable businesses are more, and again, the extreme example being more like an AI business where you tell the agent, hey, I need you to every five seconds send a, an email to a potential lead. And then it does it, and then you go away, and then you think about what's the next thing that I can tell another agent to do. Oh, okay, maybe answer my LinkedIn messages from customers that are interested. Okay, I program that, maybe it takes me a day, and then it's ready to go. I walk away from it. That's scaling, right? That's setting up 
all these different tasks where you maybe have to just make sure that they're working in unison, but you're not really adding additional costs to get that additional sale, right? It's yeah. almost like a one-time investment and then it scales. What does that mean in a real business? Well, that would mean like I have 10 consultants and now instead of each one being able to do 10 projects, somehow I get them to do a hundred projects each. And then next year I get them to do a thousand projects each, right? That would be true scale. Not so easy with people, but now there are so many tools that you can use to automate a lot of processes that scaling is becoming an option for even the very small businesses. And I, I think that's very exciting. I think that's it's one of the biggest exciting. changes that's going to happen in the next two to five years. Even, even right now, honestly, there are so many tools currently that if you're just a little bit more savvy than the average person, just research a little bit more how to program, you can get away with doing a lot with very little resources. So again, I, I think that's super exciting. And uh, one of the biggest lessons that I, that I got from business school. Yeah, no, no question about it. so many different opportunities, the co-pilot programs. If you have a dev team, now one developer might be able to do the job of three or four developers. And that is actually scaling instead of just hiring. And, and instead of linear growth, now you've got a chance for exponential growth. And that's uh, that bell curve is what we're all looking for. So at the end of the day, what would you say the biggest difference is between value and price? Uh Value is everything that you can't touch. And I think the price is going to be the sticker. Um, I don't know if you follow a lot of kind of the new age gurus, but uh, even though sometimes I'm not super thrilled by what they say, Alex Hormozzi has a really interesting uh, talk where, where he discusses that he can give you a price, right? Hey, here's my price for me to help you with, with your business. It's you know three hours a week of consulting and et cetera, et cetera. But then he goes down through all of the value propositions that he can do on top of that price, right? So he's giving you $1,000 a week, but then he's saying, well, I'm going to give you the consulting. Plus, I'm going to make sure that you have um, you know, a takeaway document so you can prepare your SOPs. Plus, I'm going to give you this. Plus, I'm going to do that for you. Plus, I'm going to make sure that I feature you on my website. All these extra things start creating value. And if you can compound that, then suddenly that flywheel kind of does it on its own. And that's where you start creating brand, right? That's where you see all of the network effects of a stronger name. You start creating customer loyalty. People talk about you, right? Another great network effect. That's, that's again, something that's creating value beyond just what someone's going to pay. And then you have <clears throat> all of the other things that, that excite people, right? That when, when they're seeing a price, they're never going to think that you're not living up to that price and they're going to be more likely to buy from you. If you're the person handing out the most value, you're going to be the person selling the most. So hopefully that that lesson can be taken away by the different companies that do different things. I know that it's a little bit vague in a way, but you know your business and you, if you were a customer, would know what value you want to receive from someone selling the product that you sell, right? And so go through that list make sure that there's a list of 10, 20 things even that you're providing that person, right? It's not, hey, I gave, I gave you a stereo. No, it's I'm giving you a stereo that is waterproof, that you can take into your pool, that you can put outside, that will withstand the elements, that has the best sound, that also comes with a tweeter and subwoofer separated within the same box. And if you can actually do that list, I think it'll be a lot easier to market 
and it'll be a lot easier to sell as well. Wow, what what a huge value bomb there, and just so so vital and so important. Basically, what you're talking about is the difference between creating an offer that is just a commodity, and commodities are just a race to the bottom where it's all about price, and your margins just keep on going down, versus a blue ocean strategy of creating an offer so good, as Alex Formosi would say, people would feel dumb saying no because that offer is so uh, incredibly superior to what's out there on the market and delivers so much value. And if you can deliver that, and that's why he talks about spending the extra time to create the great product, the superior product that's a blue ocean strategy product versus one that's commoditized and is just like everything else and, and isn't really establishing more value in the marketplace. And the great thing about an offer that valuable is it's it's not attached to price, right? There's higher margins, there's more value because you're delivering so much more. It's funny, uh, the example I would give is uh, there's, this, uh, there's this new soap brand called Dr. Squatch. And my son loves this soap brand and and I'm like, wait a second, a bar of soap's like $8? Holy <laughs> cow, that's, that's a pretty expensive soap, son. But it's such a strong fragrance. It's so unique, the way it's put together. And it really is a vastly superior product. And so that's exactly what we're talking about. Create a product so good that it's just so much better. You have higher margins. It's not uh, stuck on price like everything else. It's not a race to the bottom. What a great uh, value bomb. And I'll say I'll say one more thing. It sounds funny because um, you know I, I I think it's some somewhat obvious. Like I think when you're doing a product, you're hoping that it's a little bit better than than the market. But when I was working in kind of the highest levels of finance, right, public companies, yeah. billion dollar deals, at the end of the game, it came down to the exact same things, right? When Broadcom bought Symantec, huge deal, billion billions of yeah. dollars, and they're actually looking at the same three things, right? How do they manage their customers? How are they managing the list? How are they managing sales? How can they scale those sales? They're looking at brand, right? Is Semantic a trusted brand? Do people feel comfortable with that name? Um, do they feel like they're not going to get fired if they bought that as a CTO for their cybersecurity within the company? And they're looking at technology. If you can <clears throat> have all those things in order and, and convince people that you're superior a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, yeah. You build a package that nobody's afraid to purchase. We we maybe thought of, of talking about exits here, but at the exit, all of those intangibles actually do end up in a balance sheet somewhere, right? So oh, yeah. when you're looking at a, a at a 10K, which is a public company annual statement, you'll see that in their acquisitions, they list this intangibles and these intangibles get measured. Yes. If yes. someone's assigning value to how strong that brand is, someone's assigning value to how superior that technology is and the price that they paid let's call it 10 billion maybe only 3 billion in hard assets in 7 billion dollars of intangibles right so that's the reality and if you can do it at a small scale and you can do it for your startup you're going to be miles ahead of everybody else no question about it well, at this point, uh, Jordy, everybody has received incredible value themselves of how to build a much more valuable company product that has an exit potential with it. And for every you know entrepreneur listening to this who's thinking about those next steps to build, maybe they are at a point where they're looking to exit, what's the next step they can take? This isn't a passive podcast. This is a podcast for action takers. So what's the next step that they can take to learn more about the value of their company and maybe even incorporate some of your tools?
tools and services, resources to kind of put those odds in their favor for success? So I'll say two things. One, lay stakes in the ground. If you're managing for value, you need to know what the value is, right? So think about it as a, as a standard exercise that you're going to do every year. It's actually not very expensive in the grand scheme of things. Sure, it's, it's a bit cashed out, but it's not expensive in, in, in the sense that you're creating value because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, where you can see every year, right? Did you actually increase value or did you just increase sales? Did well, you increase value or did you take actions that really didn't do what you thought they did because it's not being reflected in the value of your company? I think that's the first thing, right? You can't manage what you can't measure. And I would say, if that's an option for you and you have the cash, do valuations every year or find a way to do it either internally or with someone you trust. And two, Great align idea. incentives between yourself and your people. We have yes. a, a valuation that we typically refer to as a 49A. And a lot of the venture firms, some of the biggest firms, right? You can see Uber, um, and, and every other firm that got a lot of money, they're sharing the company with their employees. Why? Because they know that that employee is going to be highly incentivized yes. to continue working for that company and working harder than just a job, right? If you have a dream, if you have a vision and, and people are aligned with you, they'll be much more aligned if you're paying them with stock on top of paying them their traditional salary. So these valuations that we do are 49A, they get you the value of your common shares. And through those common shares, you can issue options and share some of the equity with the people in your company, especially high-level executives. So that's something that has worked out really, really well in venture. And if people start applying it for more traditional businesses, I think they'll find a lot of value in it as well. So that's kind of what we do. We do standard business valuations. We do share valuations. And we do valuations for multiple purposes. Basically, any major decision that you want to do, we can help you with evaluation. If you want to sell part of the business or the entire business, that's us. So please give us a call. Thanks. That's a great idea. Just getting your valuation every single year and finding out that I actually build more value. And then you'll just learn by doing it. First time might be an eye opener like, oh, I actually didn't build as much value as I thought I did. I've been focusing on the right things. Then you start to think, oh, maybe I'll start building recurring revenue, a subscription, something that's uh, going to bring uh, clients in for years to come. And now all of a sudden, a year later, you're more valuable. So basically, guys, go to objectiveibv.com, objectiveibv.com. That's a great place to go ahead and connect. There is actually a comprehensive guide to your business exit options there. And obviously, Jordy and his team there can get that valuation so you know where you're staying. If you're already at that point where you want to look at you know, what a potential exit might look like, there's nothing more important than getting the nuts and bolts and figuring out where you stand as an entrepreneur and a business owner so you can make 2024 your breakthrough year. Well, Jordy, it's been amazing. Thank you for sharing so many value bombs with the Seven Figures community today. And is there anywhere else uh, that people can connect up with you personally? LinkedIn is a great place to do it. You can see my bio, Um, but the website is fantastic. It has a lot of information. And also if if you are at that stage where you want to sell your business, we focus on the smaller middle market. We really help entrepreneurs and family owned businesses between 20 and hundred million at exit. So that's our niche focus. And even though we're in Southern California, we are, we have a national presence as well. So, you know, give us a call. We're always happy to answer questions and hopefully just provide value beyond 
just the price. Perfect, everybody. Jordy Pujol, he is on LinkedIn Connect Up. And again, the website is ObjectiveIBV.com. Thanks for being a guest, Jordy. And everybody, take some action and make things happen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, entrepreneurs, business owners, side hustlers, quick question for you. Have you ever gotten so tired and fatigued of having to log into 30 different websites just to manage your bank accounts, credit cards, loans, real estate, and investments? I know after the last decade, I've gotten really tired of it. And for years, clients have asked me, hey, how am I going to manage all these different accounts as a business owner? Well, we finally decided to solve this problem for you once and for all at myfigures.com. That's my figures.com you can get instant access to your own money manager app with the premier number one entrepreneur small business owner money manager app again you can manage all of your financial accounts in one place your bank accounts investments real estate credit cards loans business and personal all in one place for just $9.97 a month we've got a rock bottom special going on for the next few days you can get the money manager at myfigures.com it's also less than $100 a year to get your money right so go to myfigures.com and finally get your money right are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.